Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! Today is July 9th, 2015, here in lovely Hilliard, neighborhood of Spokane, Washington. What a summer it has been so far. Mustachio and I have made two trips twice now, traveled to and from California on a road trip. It feels good to be back here in Spokane at the new studio, which we are uh, (laughs) continuously moving into. The We don't have equipment, none of that stuff, just the basics. I do imagine the acoustics will improve over time. This episode is a 10-list question, comment, and answer episode. The reason why we decided to go ahead and break our holiday and do this is to clear up any confusion that um, may be out there among folks. After a bit of brainstorming, we decided the best way to help all of us get into the pink zone together is to have a question and answer 10 list. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So here we go. Uh, And... We will resume the regular season on September 11th, 2015. So we are taking a break over the summer with traveling. This coming weekend, Mustachio and I will be going to the Blues Festival in Wallace, Idaho, a small mining town forgotten by time. It's a beautiful, wonderful place right along the river. The people are friendly and... I enjoy festivals that are smaller in nature, where a bit more... What's the word, Mustachio? I'm lost. I'm at a loss of words. (laughs) Uh, For me, it's comfort, but I I would like to articulate that a step beyond comfort. So why are smaller festivals comfortable? Um, I think they're more intimate. I think it offers a increased ability for a genuine connection. Uh, Growing up in San Jose, California, big arena shows and things like that were enjoyable when I was a youth. And now that I'm older, I like the more lawn chair performances. (laughs) We are excited to continue the season in September and are excited to reach out to folks who are going to emerge from the, the cave. Uh, There are some other folks over at the Invisible Office Hours podcast, Jason Zook and Paul Jarvis. I've enjoyed their podcast. They had one about internet woodshedding. I do recommend folks listen to that. Similar to what Mustachio and I do is uh, similar to what they call internet woodshedding. It's pretty much disconnecting from the outside world and having a time of deep focus uh, until some sort of end goal is reached and then emerge into society once again. So Mustachio and I are woodshedding. 
We have been for quite some time and will continue to do so uh, for the time being. <laughs> All right. For the 10 list, these are questions, comments, and answers to some questions, comments, and uh, answers. As we do with the 10 lists, the reason why we do 10 lists is accountability. One of the things that we love here at the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Infinite Accountability. There, I almost made a Freudian slip. <laughs> Which we've got to rename that. We're going to go over that in another podcast from uh, Powerful Nonsense. Why Entrepreneurs Have to Practice First Aid with Guy Winch. He talks about components of thought, which I agree with. And one of them being a psychology is full of sophisticated people and great innovation since Freud. It's time for us to drop the Freud comments. So I am guilty of that now with the Freudian slip. It's time to move forward from the past. All right, so the 10 list. In 10 list fashion, I will go ahead and read through the 10 list and then explain each of the individualized components, and then go over the 10 list again. For deep level processing, it's a good idea to be introduced to a concept, have a concept explained, and then be introduced to that concept again. A complication I have with many podcasts and interviews is that there's just a lot of storytelling, not a whole bunch of deliverable content. And that's one of the things we like to do here is to minimize the storytelling and maximize the digestible content. So here we go. 10 list questions, comments, and answers for July 9th, 2015. Number one, what is the difference between pink zone and yellow zone realities? What effect do these mindsets have on a conversation? Number two, be specific. The layout and content of your show is too broad, making it confusing. I feel like my interests are being jerked around. Number three, the name Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility is very long-winded and interestingly enough, I think it's a conflict of concept with one of your three main tenant principles, specifically humility. Number four, as a listener, I need to know who you two are, why you are qualified to speak about whatever it is you're speaking about, and why I should care. Number five, this shit is over my head. Why is it so confusing? Can you dumb it down for the rest of us? <laughs> Number six, what is a pish posh word? How many of them are there? What are three strategies people can use to break down information? Number eight, why do you avoid the subject of curse words as part of your teachings? They are a linguistical shortcut. Number nine, what does the name 3H2Humans mean? And number 10, I hear you mention explicit learning frequently. What does it mean? So here we go. Many of these questions are centered around meaning. And that's what we do like to explore here is meaning. We have the first one going into the differences between pink zone and yellow zone realities. These are words I made up, <laughs> essentially, uh, from a note card. 
and I was highlighting different sections and one section I highlighted yellow and one section I highlighted pink. So in terms of the name, there's nothing real deep about that. It's more of what the concepts mean beyond the name. Because Mustachio and I are on holiday and we're moving into the studio, gardening, vacationing, doing all kinds of things, we had some time to invest in this 10 list, a bit more than usual, and have typed out responses and answers to each one of these questions. That's one thing that I've learned over time is that if, if a person invests time in giving me some sort of question or comment, I will do my best to answer. I am an inquisitive person by nature and have many questions and ask many questions and feel as though a part of my code of honor is to answer questions which are asked to the best of my ability and as thorough as possible. If in any way any of these questions which were posed were not answered in an ideal fashion, please let me know. In the future, when we do 10 list questions, answers, and comments, then we can better deliver information. Email questions that um, are on the mind and uh, any comments or anything pertaining to this 10 list as well. So the format's a bit new. I'm gonna go ahead and read through some of the responses, potentially skip over some in the interest of time. This document is printed up. If someone would like the document, please shoot an email to 3H2Spokane, S-P-O-K-A-N-E at gmail.com, 3H2Spokane at gmail.com. And I will send this over. But as of now, we're going low tech. We're just going to post the... Uh, post the show and uh, not do a whole lot on the web. But it is available to those who are interested and perhaps have that summer inquisitive bug. I tend to love outdoor exploration and inward exploration during the summer months. Big thumbs up to all y'all out there doing the same, maintaining the grounds outside and maintaining one's grounds inside. That's one of the key components I've found to health, happiness, and a humble perspective is giving conscious attention to one's environment and improving that environment, as well as giving conscious attention to oneself and improving the self. All right, here we go. Number one, what is the difference between pink zone and yellow zone realities? What effect do these mindsets have on a conversation? Pink zone communication deals with a shared understanding with regard to stimuli between two or more people. When comments are vague and lack an example, there becomes a decreased ability to ingest the information desired to convey within a conversation. With additional explanation, a conversation has the ability to shift from yellow zone to pink zone. When mindsets become caught within the yellow zone, the listener does not understand the speaker. Words and thoughts do not match. In contrast, with a pink zone mindset, the listener and speaker hold a shared understanding of the stimuli. Thus, a genuine conversation becomes possible. Example, imagine two people standing by a lake, watching fish as they duck and dash. 
One says, that one is bigger than the other one. This sentence holds infinite possibilities as presented in current form. Fish, trees, logs, other organic life forms have potential to be the subject for this statement. Its vagueness gives rise to assumptions. Optimized. The fish under the log is bigger than the fish we caught earlier today. Originally, the person intended to mention a particular fish caught up river. The images held within his mind are clear, fresh, defined, yellow zone. The optimized sentence offers an open door to the listener. Words encourage entry into an authentic bond, a pink zone conversation. Be mindful when describing objects and emotions. Strive for an authentic, genuine bond when engaging other humans. All right, so what is the difference between pink zone and yellow zone realities? Pink zone is where there's a shared understanding between two people. So with this example of the fish and the, the log and its ambiguity, the speaker was well aware of what fish he was talking about, but the listener had no idea. That is an example of yellow zone communication. There is a lack of understanding. That's the, the foundation of these two zones. It's not about right and wrong, good and bad, uh, stigma, stereotypes, those types of things um, don't belong here. This is more about logic and communication. Pink zone is where the speaker was more clear. It's the one under the log is bigger than the one we caught earlier today. That is logical and both the speaker and the listener understand the same subject, have a grasp on the same subject. So that's, that's a basis of this um, idea. And what effect do these mindsets have on a conversation? Huge. For me, I'm a bit deep down the rabbit hole when it comes to pink zone and yellow zone conversations to the point where if I'm having a yellow zone conversation with someone, I, I could, I'm not interested. Uh, there's a lack of deep level processing, a lack of understanding. Essentially, one person is talking about one thing and the other another. It's just, to me, it's a waste of time. Uh, life on earth, each moment is beautiful in its own way. And I would much rather spend time gardening and watering the yard and going for a jog than I would conversing with someone who doesn't even know what they themselves are talking about. That's a complication with the yellow zone. Most people have no idea they're even in the yellow zone. That's why it's so difficult. It's hard for me to be unhappy with someone who is of, um, of kind intentions and kind heart. And many people I speak with who are in the yellow zone are of kind intention and kind of heart, but simply ignorant. The optimized sentence offers an open door to the listener. Words encourage entry into an authentic bond, a pink zone conversation. Be mindful when describing objects and emotions. Strive for an authentic, genuine bond when engaging other humans. So what does that mean? That talks about be mindful when describing objects and emotions. Give conscious attention. 
two objects and emotions. Rather than say that thing over there, what is that thing? What is it doing over there? Explain. Or I feel angry. Angry is a useless primitive emotion. Go a step beyond that. What, what are the deeper layers beyond anger? Uh, yeah. So uh, I do encourage folks to strive for an authentic, genuine bond when engaging other humans. All right, so that's number one. What is the difference between pink zone and yellow zone realities? What effect do these mindsets have on a conversation? Number two, be specific. The layout and content of your show is too broad, making it confusing. I feel like my interests are being jerked around. This comment was a bit confusing for me, um, but let's just go ahead and jump into what the uh, typed response is. How can a person be too diverse? A show which covers too many subjects. The general category covered on the 3H2 Humans radio show is being human, being authentic, and defining health, happiness, and a humble perspective on an individual basis. I'm unclear as to how your interests were jerked around. The above listener statement involves two pish-posh elements, making it and vagueness. The words do not make it confusing. Rather, the listener is confused and projecting an inward emotion in an outward fashion. This is an example of why make is a pish-posh word. It lacks a logical foundation. I feel like my interests are being jerked around is an example of a yellow zone statement. Similar to our friends upriver with the fish, this statement is ambiguous, leaving the listener to assume what is being conveyed. When offering comments, request a friend or third-party person offer an eye into pink zone tangibility. Okay, so the listener comment um, suggests being more specific and that the layout and the content of the show is too broad, making it confusing, and that the person feels as though their interests are being jerked around. Uh, to me, that this statement is a bit passive-aggressive. It is me jerking around someone's interests. I listen to radio shows and podcasts from people who I disagree with who I think possess irritating traits, but I listen to them to hear the other side, to humanize all aspects of people. And doing this, I've learned how to hold myself accountable for my emotions. As an occupational hazard, I've needed to possess a mindset where I am in control of my own emotions, where even though the person I'm listening to might be fired up and yelling a bunch of nonsense, I need to be strong enough to have a wall between me and that nonsense. And someone who makes a comment saying, um, I feel like my interests are being jerked around, indicates to me that there is a, a light wall, perhaps a, a sheet of tissue paper <laughs> as a barrier. And um, I encourage folks who use this type of language to look inward. The above listener statement involves two pish posh elements, making it and vagueness. So the two pish posh elements are using the word make, making it, as well as being vague 
to the point where the comment is useless. The words do not make it confusing. Rather, the listener is confused and projecting an inward emotion in an outward fashion. This is an example of why make is a pishposh word. It lacks a logical foundation. The key part here is projecting an inward emotion in an outward fashion. That's another big piece of the puzzle here of why it's important to give conscious attention to how we as humans present ourselves. Those such as myself, Mustachio, and other 3H2 humans, we have our eyes on the pulse of awareness. And uh, these types of um, behaviors are uh, distractingly clear for many folks. So the statement is, the layout and content of your show is too broad, making it confusing. I feel like my interests are being jerked around. So I'm not exactly sure what else to say besides caution folks to examine statements such as making it confusing and remember that inward-outward exchange to be cognizant when an inward emotion is being projected outwardly. Um, Also, misuse of the word you is a good example of this inward-outward projection. When someone says, when you tailgate, you make me angry, and you do all these things when not everybody does. So be cognizant of the subject. Be cognizant of what is going on. What are the interworkings of a statement? And, and two, with the, the comment of the layout and content is too broad, um, I feel like many shows are a bit too broad, and especially with the interview setup. I am not a fan of interviews anymore. It's difficult for me to listen to them because a person comes on, they talk about how they lived a normal life, and then something happened, and then there was this great idea and enlightenment and now they want to share that with everybody and they're making money doing it but then they're not really making money doing it so then the main tenets which are being preached are not followed that's what drives me crazy is um for instance i was working with an accountability coach who lacked accountability the Principal foundations are lacking. I like to hold myself accountable. That's one of the reasons why I do the 10 lists, why I work towards having a template rather than saying, calling a show something and then thinking simply because I call it that, it makes it that. If there's a pit bull barking, and I call it a chihuahua, it's not gonna turn into a chihuahua. I may think it's that, but that's really all it does. I would like to caution folks about simply calling something. Like I could call this the greatest information on the planet, and that would be the name of the podcast, and then I would think that that's what it's called. Think. Okay, and that is number two. Be specific. The layout and content of your show is too broad, making it confusing. I feel like my interests are being jerked around. 
Number three, the name Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility is very long-winded and interestingly enough, I think it's a conflict of concept with one of your three main tenant principles, specifically humility. To me, it sounds like a title that is trying too hard and is a little confusing as to what I'm getting into specifically as a listener. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and dive into the typed response. This statement intrigues me deeply. How can a title try hard? Putting emotion onto a word is similar to saying the door is sad. This statement is filled with pish-posh elements and emotion rather than logic and pink zone tangibility. After corresponding back and forth with the statement's author, I became frustrated with a constant emergence of the word humility in place of humble. To further test my patience, a comment held within a critique was the suggestion to change the wording of one of the three keystone principles, humble to humility. The above statement offers an example into the mind of a person who skipped the ingest phase of cognition and went straight to modify. If the person's mind was a bit more open, an inquiry into tell me more would have proceeded, no it's not. While on a linguistical journey, I had stumbled upon the path suggested. I wrote out humility, cross-checked dictionary definitions of humble, as a means to examine potential configurations. Many an hour has been invested into diligently selecting the three H's. From a technical perspective, humility is correct, yet it is too similar to humiliate for my tastes. I was surprised by advice to switch to humility, given the listener expresses a passion for words and dictionaries as well. When examining language, Dominant letters act as cues. I desire to cue the word humble. The dominant B helps the brain process humble as opposed to humiliate. I would define a mastermind symposium of infinite possibility as words which signify many perspectives as opposed to a singular sense of right and wrong in terms of knowledge. By definition, humble falls along these lines and perhaps this name is more humble than a podcast named after oneself. Mastermind equals a group of people who are focused on pink zone tangibility as they present ideas and insights. Symposium is a group of people with a focused subject yet present varied perspectives. Infinite possibility is the code of the universe. Life is based off of probability rather than absolutes. All right, so this comment talks about the name Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility being long-winded and lacking a humble perspective. I'm puzzled by this comment and have requested further elaboration onto how the name lacks a humble perspective. If anyone has insights into this, please let me know. As well, I, um, I think it's strange that... People express having a humble perspective, yet name things after themselves. That, I think, lacks a humble perspective. But Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility uh, signify many perspectives, as opposed to a singular sense of right and wrong in terms of knowledge. The 
Tim Ferriss Show, brought to you by Tim Ferriss, presented by Tim Ferriss, and hosted by Tim Ferriss. That presents a bit more of a singular perspective than a show which has a name that implies more of a grouping rather than a single entity running the show. Also, the above statement offers an example into the mind of a person who skipped the ingest phase of cognition and went straight to modify. If the person's mind was a bit more open, an inquiry into tell me more would have preceded no, it's not. That was one thing that did frustrate me a bit was, you know, I, so the statement being, I think it's a conflict of concept with one of your three main tenant principles, specifically humility, when humility is not one of my main principles. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I guess I encourage people to reread advice that is given to other people and to comments. Really, um, and I know that if this person gave a bit more focused attention, then a more focused comment would have surfaced. So I do encourage folks before commenting and putting words out into the universe to look over them. All right, that is number three. The name Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility is very long-winded. And interestingly enough, <clears throat> I think it's a conflict of concept with one of your three main tenant principles, specifically humility. To me, it sounds like a title that is trying too hard and is a little confusing as to what I'm getting into specifically as a listener. That comment puzzles me too, that I'm not real sure what that means. A little confusing as to what I am getting into specifically as a listener. For me, a listener of podcasts, the podcast will say tech info, crazy new tech stuff. And it's not even talked about technology. Perhaps they'll talk about a, a neat new standing desk or some optimized way to store food, weird things like that. That's what I pick up. And I think it's a bit strange for someone to think that the name of something absolutely and definitely signifies that something is what it is. So it goes back to that whole, if there's a pit bull and I call it a chihuahua, that doesn't make it a chihuahua. So it's important for all of us to open up our eyes and see what is there rather than regurgitate what someone else told us. All right, number four, as a listener, I need to know who you are, why you are qualified to speak about whatever it is you're speaking about, and why I should care. Okay, here we go. Let's dive right into the typed response. I need to know who you two are, why you are qualified to speak about whatever it is you're speaking about, and why I should care. This statement raises a question with the focal point of validation. Over time, I have learned initials around a person's name, educational background, and past accomplishments hold little weight in the pink zone. They hold little weight within a shared, present tense mindset. Job titles, bloodlines, and books read yesterday hold little value today. I've met idiot PhDs and brilliant street people. I too, like many, required validation from others before I would ingest a stranger's message. 
Once I became educated, became an educator, became one of them, I realized how broken the academic system is. Now, I hold more respect for those who are self-taught rather than university educated. Is it possible to qualify a person to speak? Who chooses who is worthy and who is not of conveying their message? Perhaps a more accurate reality is achieved through viewing knowledge on an individual basis rather than through a qualified or unqualified lens. The gifted expose themselves to a continuum of perspectives, gather viewpoints, then reach an individualized conclusion. Number four has to do with validation. The listener wants to know uh, who Mustachio and I are, why we're qualified, and why that person should. There's a pish-posh word, why the person should care. To me, a statement like that, too, sounds like... uh, somebody who wants me to cook them food, chew it for them, and then spit it in their mouths. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, to me, that sounds lazy and dependent, where rather than this listener exploring on their own how something can be validated, this person wants a credential or past experience or something like that. I'm not really sure what. But I really do believe the metaphor of the chewing of the food is applicable here. This listener wants me to chew up the food for them. And similar to the human body, even um, blending food is less nutritious than chewing it and allowing the body to digest the food naturally. The, the mind is similar in terms of information. There is a, a chewing process that goes on. A, the ingest, reflect, and modify is similar to the digestive system. And I feel it's important for each individual to ingest, reflect, and modify people on their own terms. So what if I have a PhD? So what if I am a multi-billionaire? So what? Who, who, none of these things uh, validate me as an educator, as a speaker. And as we go on further to say, how can someone even be qualified to speak? What, what words can I say that will validate me? This whole comment puzzles me. Is it possible to qualify a person to speak? Who chooses who is worthy and who is not of conveying their message? Perhaps a more accurate reality is achieved through viewing knowledge on an individual basis rather than through a qualified or unqualified lens. The gifted expose themselves to a continuum of perspectives, gather viewpoints, then reach an individualized conclusion. So what does this paragraph mean? It's pretty much talking about even if someone does have some sort of credential that is needed for validation, does that mean the person can think critically? Does that automatically increase a person's truth value? I don't think so. I've met idiot PhDs and brilliant street people. I too, like many, required validation from others before I would ingest a stranger's message. Once I became educated, became an educator, became one of them, I realized how broken the academic system is. Now, 
I hold more respect for those who are self-taught rather than university educated. The university system is crumbling. I do encourage younger generations to do like a rumspringa, I believe it's called. Take some time after high school and figure out life and life's purpose. Ask, why am I here on earth? Break away from the nest for a little bit. Uh, the statement now, I hold more respect for those who are self-taught rather than university educated. The tools are out there. In yesteryear, that was where the usefulness and essentially validation came of the university system because they had the libraries and the textbooks and the professors and the resources and the labs and the knowledge and the sports teams and all of those things. Now, with the internet, many of those things are at our fingertips. We no longer need the university. So I ask, why would a young student pay thousands of dollars, get in debt, thousands of dollars by, will pay ridiculous amounts of money for useless information, pay ridiculous amounts of money for outdated, propaganda-filled information when the person could go on the internet and find that information um, at a reduced cost and an increased value. Essentially, self-taught people teach themselves at a reduced cost and an increased value. University-educated is at an increased cost and a decreased value. All right, so that's been... <laughs> Yeah, Mustachio says, okay, that's our bio. <laughs> All right, moving right along as the hourglass trinkles. We did want to give ourselves about an hour for this, so let's boogie right along. Number five, this shit is over my head. Why is it so confusing? Can you dumb it down for the rest of us? Tell me more. There was a time when I struggled to interpret information. I was held back in second grade, periodically pulled from class to spend time with the other special kids. They needed story time instead of participating within some elaborate group spectacular. I asked why too much. That's why I was sentenced to story time. Similar to those who find digestion of 3H2 difficult, I too have experienced miscommunications and lack of pink zone tangibility when living day-to-day -day as a human during a technological revolution. The most helpful advice I may offer, slow down one's own individualized thoughts. Become aware of explicit learning. The concept of dumbing information down is silly. With a bit of effort and communication, seemingly difficult matters can be broken down into simple terms. Rather than stoop down, leaders possess an ability to reach a hand out, to raise others up and work side by side. Let us arm the peasants as the masses outweigh the few. All right, so this is talking about information being over someone's head and how we here believe that the concept of dumbing information down is silly, as well as Essentially, there's nothing that is over someone's head. 
I do believe there are no bad students, only bad teachers. And we don't use the word bad. I'm being lazy. It's summer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what... Uh, an objective here at 3H2 is to arm the peasants. So to put this crazy, deep, over-the-head type of information in clear and easy forms, similar to those movies back in dragon times when there's going to be a siege on the village and then the warriors come in and teach the peasants in a couple days how to be awesome in combat. With a handful of tricks, they fare quite well, much better than they would days prior to the instruction. Imagine 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility as that armament of the peasants. Here, Mustachio and I come riding into town saying, hey, there's some shit coming. <laughs> It's about four hills over. <laughs> We've seen it. We're running from it. And here's some great ways to build a defense and an offense. 3H2 is essentially that double strategy, the yin and the yang for whatever pops up in life. And to have an attitude of this shit is over my head? No, that's silly. Silly, silly, pish posh nonsense. Seek a mentor, and I imagine there are plenty of mentors within one's environment. If there's difficulty reaching outwards, seek mentorship inward. Shoot a question over to us. We would like to assist. All right, so why is it so confusing? As that other listener spoke about earlier that I was making them confused um, confusion is a positive trait. It shows learning is on the horizon. Without confusion, imagine how dull and boring the world would be if everything was automated and perfect. Ugh, no thank you. When there's confusion, uh, replace that with excitement. Get excited about the confusion and work through. I've noticed one thing consistently with me. Once I wade through confusion, the rewards are abundant. Similar to learning how to play Sid Meier's Civilization, I think it's, yeah, number five. I was very confused in the beginning and overwhelmed and I was like, oh, this sucks and discouraged and grumpy. And, and then in a couple days, oh, it was difficult to tear me away from it. So... View confusion, frustration, fear, anxiety, all of these seemingly negative emotions are signs of potential positive change. Take a couple deep breaths and follow intuition. Things have their way of working out. And the final comment, can you dumb it down for the rest of us? No, no, I will not dumb it down. <laughs> There's no need, that's a silly construct. All of us humans are capable of wonderful things. Instead of dumbing it down, what I will say is a key to higher levels of cognition are high levels of nutrition. And for me personally, I've been taking a vegan omega-3 
algae dropper supplement as well as B vitamin dropper. Also vegan, vegetarian, and uh, magnesium and calcium and a live vitamin uh, syrup. Yeah, I don't like pills. So these are all omega fatty acids, a dropper, the B vitamins, a dropper, and the vitamin is in a liquid refrigerated form, all refrigerated stuff. I've been doing this and hydrating and I've noticed a tremendous difference. Omega fatty acid supplement, B vitamin supplement, multivitamin supplement, eat a fresh raw vegetable and fruit each day and hydrate well. I think with these as a foundation, um, the body can restore. And will I be taking all these supplements and doing all this stuff for the rest of my life? I don't know. I, I don't know. But I'm in a stage of healing and restoring. Uh, that's one thing I do over the summers. I like to heal and restore. I think that's a part of understanding information. Take care of the brain. Give it its nutrients. Heal and restore. No, I will not dumb it down. <laughs> No need. All right. Moving right along. Number six. What is a pish-posh word? How many of them are there? Pish-posh words are defined as words and categories of words that when given conscious attention will increase effective communication. The first version of pish-posh words contains 20 subjects. As of 2015-07, There are five or so new concepts undergoing field tests. Before becoming a pish-posh word, I study the word as spoken through podcasts, my own use of the word, those within my environment. Anytime I hear the word, I'm on high alert. I focus on one word at a time. Undivided awareness expedites the field tests as markers on the continuum rapidly appear. Due to popular demand, I have rearranged the ragtag list of pish-posh words. They are as such. Number one, you. Number two, can't. Number three, should. Number four, make. Number five, sorry. Number six, try. Number seven, they. Number eight, actually. Number nine, Obviously. Number 10, finally. Number 11, clearly. 12, girls. 13, impossible. 14, regret. 15, lonely. 16, bored. 17, love. 18, moral judgments. 19, group distinctions. 20, absolutes. These 20 elements are neither right nor wrong, good nor bad, but rather misunderstood when examined on a grand scale. Consciousness alerts the human pilot to tend to one thing while the plane maneuvers off course. These words are the Bermuda Triangle of words, 99 out of 100 times an unknown mystical force of energy steps in, adding to the confusion. The message I wish to convey is simply pay attention to these words. 
Seek out examples. Examine for Pink's own tangibility and take control over one's own words. Switch off autopilot and navigate through the realm of infinite possibility. Adventure breeds innovation. All right, so this talks about the Pish Posh words. And on the original Pish Posh episode, I talked to about the headline effect. That's a big deal where we as humans during a five minute conversation will essentially remember very little from that conversation. There's like a little snippet, a little headline that is taken from the conversation and uh, plastered on the wall. Be cognizant of this and remember that even though it may not seem like a big deal, that words don't matter, words matter. They do, and especially for those who are speakers, who are leaders, managers, podcasters. This is great for people who are in leadership positions. The pish posh words, what are they? How many of them are there? Pish posh words are words in categories that when given conscious attention will increase the effectiveness of communication. In the end, I think that is something that all humans strive for, is effective communication. We all love our free time. There's an old saying. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's something, sorry to be so long, but I didn't have time to be short. Be concise, digestible, and direct. And then the need to have constant back and forth communications will decrease, increasing a person's free time. Overall enjoyment of the communication process is increased when there is pink zone tangibility and a conscious awareness towards the 20 pish posh words. All right, number seven, what are three strategies people can use to break down information? This one is a long one. <laughs> I like this question. Out of all the questions I've received and comments and all that, I think this one was my favorite. <laughs> Lucky number seven, what are three strategies people can use to break down information? Three strategies which help break down information. Number one, ingest, reflect, and modify. Number two, examine continuum of possibility. Number three, remove assumptions, give three alternatives. Number one, the theory of ingest, reflect, and modify required many years to refine, like a precious gem. At first it was dull and hidden beneath matter. After many an hour tumbling, it has become second nature, most of the time, when breaking down unfamiliar stimuli to use ingest, reflect, and modify. First, ingest the other person's viewpoint. This step is oddly challenging for many people because the brain requires a certain level of environmental awareness in order to operate at the ingest frequency of cognition. Undivided attention devoid of ego is one way to achieve the ingest phase. What are some others? Next is reflection. Reflection is a critical thinking skill. Similar to tossing around a kettlebell in the physical world, reflection writing mastermind groups, and other critical thinking exercises increase a human's ability to lift heavy concepts and consciously process deep thought. 
If there is a desire to learn outward, first master inward. Reflection write for 30 days straight. Give it a whirl. The brain will thank you. Last is modify. Modify. Oh, my dear friend, modify. Keep an eye out for those who first modify information before ingesting another person's perspective. Above example in number three, which discusses a suggestion to switch humble to humility, is an example of this phenomenon. The deep interworkings of why this occurs and how to prevent it remain unknown. As for now, humans benefit from first ingesting stimuli as presented by another. Reflecting on stimuli from one's own viewpoint and then modifying the concept which results in a Frankenstein of thought. A combination of the speaker and listener's individualized features results in a Frankenstein of thought. A combination of the speaker and listener's individualized filters in the mind. The strongest learners are the well-trained listeners. If confusion tinkles the brain, state, tell me more. Number two, after a concept has been ingested, reflected, and modified, it has become part of deep level processing and is ready for further examination. Animated as a Frankenstein of stimuli, the concept has become capable of moving walking around, aimlessly and mindlessly meandering up and down the continuum of infinite possibility. Examine a continuum of possibility, like a pendulum. Frankenstein knows not of stagnation or dogmas. Allow Frankenstein to wander freely from one extreme to the other. Watch as it leaves footprints along the way. Markers on the continuum. Keep an open mind to the potential of unknown territory of thought. Number three, remove assumption. This is one of the more challenging skills of critical thinking to master. Consider the human brain is wired to recognize pre-categorized information, familiar stimuli grouped together, stereotypes. Preconceived notions and stereotypes are beneficial for cognition within the human world. Before they are deemed true or fact, first remove assumptions. Imagine an assumption as a narrow, singular path in the woods. Dense, green wildlife. Trees and berry bushes abundant as foliage covers all other known paths within view. This exercise... Proposing three alternatives is similar to creating three new paths of potential travel when assuming there is one absolute, one singular answer as a solution. The thing is bad will always mean bad, as in the antithesis of good. If the speaker assumes bad is to mean only one thing, a problem with communication is likely to arise. Remove assumptions. What are three potential meanings for the word bad the speaker might desire to convey? For example, three potential meanings for the word bad are 1. Bad can mean the opposite and become good. 2. Bad can mean something evokes fear. Number 3. A thing might be bad because the person is having a bad day and everything will be bad when perception is through a negative filter. 
When approached with a novel or unfamiliar concept, consider taking a breather from day-to-day -day life. Stand at a desk and work through these three strategies. One, ingest, reflect, and modify. Two, examine the continuum of possibility. And three, remove assumptions. Exploring these strategies will likely produce guidance towards higher levels of cognitive ability and promote advancement towards identification of conceptual truth and knowledge. Exploring these strategies will likely produce guidance towards higher levels of cognitive ability and promote <laughs> Exploring these strategies will likely produce guidance towards higher levels of cognitive ability and promote advancement towards Identification of conceptual truth and knowledge. All right. Those are three strategies people can use to break down information. Number eight. Why do you avoid the subject of curse words as part of your teachings? They are a linguistical shortcut. The typed statement. I'm pleased the listener addressed this issue as I swear on the radio yet have not explained why. For me, the bigger question has become, do I want to censor my thoughts? The overwhelming intuitive response continues to be no. Censorship displeases me. The concept of censorship fuels a narrow mindset. This mindset offers words a magical power, the ability to hurt another human within the consciousness realm. Who judges a word's power to cause harm? What is a curse word? Curse words are a bit too ambiguous in terms of topics I desire to cover within the teachings of 3H2. Ask 100 people, list curse words, and there will likely be 100 different lists. Thus, is a curse word a fictitious construct, only given meaning if a listener chooses to give it meaning? As a child, I said bitchin'. I cried. Feared death and torture for a mistake of grammar. I didn't mean to say it. I was rhyming with the word kitchen. Bitchin' was the first word to pop into conscious thought. I was told Jesus was going to damn me to hell for all eternity because I said a curse word. I choose to live in a world of free speech. If someone wants to say a bad word, it's only bad if I view it as such. Fuck it. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, how I feel about curse words. Um, yeah, I do feel as though a word is only as powerful as people allow it to be. Going back to the whole sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We as humans, on an individual basis, choose what words are offensive and what words are not offensive. I encourage folks to... Look inward. What are curse words? Why are some words offensive? And why are they offensive? I, in the past, was offended by words. I'm no longer offended by words. Someone can say whatever they want. I, I've learned it's choose how to interpret what words mean. On the topic of meaning, the next question is, what does the name 3H2 humans mean? Similar to the theories Discovered at 3H2, its name has undergone a dramatic evolution from its original state. There are writings which describe the transformation in detail, so for today, I will focus on what it means today. If desired, 
email 3h2spokane at gmail.com for further writings on this subject. What does the 3h2 name mean today? 3h times 2 equals 6h. Health, happiness, humble, hungry, horse, humans. A total of 6 or 3 times 2 equals 6. Six words which begin with the letter H. 3H2 represents a shorthand way of communicating those who seek to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective are hungry horse humans. 3H2. Why the name hungry horse human? Hungry horse is a small dam town in remote Montana near Glacier National Park. I ended up traveling there with a friend due to a tiny, powerful trinket from the dam's gift shop discovered in Moscow, Idaho some 40 years after its creation, 315 miles from its original home. The tiny figurine of a starved horse emitted willpower. His silhouette was that of a near death. Many needs appeared to be unmet. Charismatic, though suffering, no doubt charm guided this horse to safety. Its tail prominently placed, suggesting it deviled as a phallic symbol, a sexual innuendo slightly hidden within plain sight. Clever, the trinket's god was fueled by humor. How? I'm not exactly sure, but I knew the horse had been through some shit. Helen Drought, no doubt, were companions on his path. Yet he persevered. He became a trinket. He became immortal. I was on a first date. We desired the date to continue, resulting in entrance to an antique shop downtown Moscow, Idaho. The potential suitor and I discussed favorite trinkets scattered about a bookshelf. The Hungry Horse Dam figurine caught my eye. He bought it for me. Days later, I announced I'd travel to Hungry Horse Dam, regardless of its logistical requirements. A few weeks later... I did. I went to Hungry Horse Dam. These seemingly meaningless dominoes at the time have evolved into a radio show and a four-year relationship with said suitor. At the time, I allowed intuition to guide me through fear. Due to defense mechanisms and insecurities, I was apprehensive towards wilderness travel and committed relationships. Both of these concepts terrified me. At the time, they were foreign concepts. I have much respect for the lessons I learned during my short few weeks with the horse. He remained home in Hungry Horse, Montana, back at the gift shop from where he came. I learned about letting go of material possessions, trusting my intuition, and trusting others. The new me, post the Hungry Horse Adventure me, is essentially that, a new me. Similar to a tattoo, I want a vehicle to permanently fuse the lessons learned while on this life-defining road trip through the wilderness. A desire to put emotions felt, stimuli witnessed, connections discovered, all of these new sensations needed to be translated into human language circa 2015. 3H2Humans became a voice for this translation. So what does the name 3H2Humans mean? I hope this explains it. Uh, it's three times two equals six H's. 
<laughs> okay, health, happiness, humble, hungry horse, humans. There we go. That's the name. 3H2Humans became a voice for this translation. Essentially, I'm translating lessons I've learned and I'm, I'm sharing my Frankenstein walk. That's pretty much what I'm doing. And I think each human being has a beautiful story to tell with their own Frankenstein walk. What is that creature that is part me and part other people other people's perspectives, like that pendulum goes back and forth along the continuum of possibility, leaving footprints, leaving potential outcomes and ideas. Pay attention to that Frankenstein. Number 10. I hear you mention explicit learning frequently. What does it mean? Explicit learning expedites deep level processing of stimuli. Rapid evolution of one's understanding of the stimuli in question will increase as exposure to explicit learning increases. Explicit learning covers the what and why elements of reasoning. Implicit learning does not cover specific details of situational components, but rather it implies action. The what and why of reasoning is left open to interpretation by the listener. Example, you should pick up garbage when it's on the ground in public is an example of implicit learning. The why is left undefined. Subsequently, a complication with this approach is it lacks logic. Statements which contain an assumption-based why component lack a solid logical foundation. Example, Contribute to the well-being of those within the environment by picking up garbage when it's on the ground in public is an example of explicit learning. The why component is explained. When garbage is cleaned up, the general well-being of those within proximity is heightened. When giving a directive, explain 1. Why the action is desired and 2. What are the basic parameters of completion. Humans mirror the behavior of others. Live by displaying a positive example on a daily basis. I encourage leaders who offer instruction to do so through explicit learning. Remove the word should from vocabulary. Explore the reasons why from an internal and external perspective. After all, who consciously enjoys blindly following another human's will. One of the points I would like to reiterate is I encourage leaders who offer instruction to do so through explicit learning. Remove the word should from vocabulary. And I encourage listeners as well to pay attention to this. Leaders who say, you should do this, you should do that. Be cautious of what is being preached. That type of vocabulary is aggressive, and perhaps the speaker themselves does not follow that information. I, uh, yeah, so I, I do encourage instruction to be offered through explicit learning. Be specific. Rather than say, you should do that thing, explain why. Why should people do stuff? Really expand. That's what explicit learning is about. 
it's explaining why the stove is hot. Rather than saying, don't touch the stove, explicit learning is don't touch the stove because it's hot and will burn your hand. Um, it removes the because I said so type of mentality. And I feel that it's especially important when dealing with people who are inquisitive because the questions will mount. <laughs> Ignoring an inquisitive person does not necessarily mean they will go away. Explain why uh, a directive is given. So that is the 10 list of questions, comments, and answers. Let's go ahead and go through it one more time. Number one, what is the difference between pink zone and yellow zone realities? What effect do these mindsets have on a conversation? Number two, be specific. The layout and content of your show is too broad, making it confusing. I feel like my interests are being jerked around. Number three, the name Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility is very long-winded, and interestingly enough, I think it's a conflict of concept with one of your three main tenant principles, specifically humility. Number four, as a listener, I need to know who you two are, why you are qualified to speak about whatever it is you're speaking about, and why I should care. Number five, this shit is over my head. Why is it so confusing? Can you dumb it down for the rest of us? Number six, what is a pish posh word? How many of them are there? Number seven, what are three strategies people can use to break down information? Number eight, why do you avoid the subject of curse words as part of your teachings? They are a linguistical shortcut. Number nine, what does the name 3H2Humans mean? Number 10, I hear you mention explicit learning frequently. What does it mean? 10 list, questions, comments, and answers. Four, today's listener challenge, it's going to be for one week, be cognizant of doing an outdoor or around the house laborious chore. The listener challenge is to spend one hour, seven days straight, one hour a day, seven days. <laughs> Do some sort of improvement chore that is exercise and hopefully outside. So the main objective is to have an hour of sun exposure, gardening, cleaning up the yard, maybe even painting the outside of the house or the shutters or trimming the trees, giving the trees fresh soil aerating the lawn, reseeding it, whatever it may be. I imagine there's a lot of things that can be done outside. And if a person lives in an apartment or if working around one's own home is not an option, go down to a park, pick up garbage. This is one of the things that I do. I'll go along the river, pick up garbage, stop and enjoy my surroundings. Take time to appreciate the ability to be aware. Taking time to enjoy simple pleasures in life in itself is a gift. This listener challenge, many other gifts will surface and rise up atop. Overall, the listener challenge is one hour each day, seven days to clean up the outside of one's house or do some sort of chore. It's a spring cleaning in the summer <laughs> or the winter or the fall, 
whenever, wherever it may be. Spend one hour a day, get that exercise. And I found for me that when I start doing it, I pick up momentum. My direct environment has vastly improved. A project I'm working on is building rose beds out of old bricks. I have uh, roses which are a couple years old. Now they have a little blanket of fresh soil, similar to plants and birds and trees and flowers and all that stuff. Organisms need nutrients and water. The outside life needs dirt and water. And the inside life, me as a human, I need certain nutrients and water. That's also a part of this listener challenge. During that hour a day, be cognizant of vitamin intake. Earlier, I spoke about taking um, omega fatty acid supplement as well as a B vitamin supplement. I personally lack the discipline to get these components in the food that I eat. That's why I supplementate them as well as a multivitamin for overall coverage. <laughs> That's about it here in uh, sunny Spokane. Oh, and this weekend we are going to Wallace, Idaho for a blues festival. I love live music. There is something energizing and magnificent about live music. And I am one of those people that will go up there and dance even if there is not a single soul on the dance floor because that is one of the ways I relieve stress. Can be in the moment with other people and I don't need to worry about chit chat and all kinds of crap. I can just let go and be. Much admiration, thanks, to musicians. I like to do what I can do to support the arts. Doing something like attending a blues festival out of town helps that town. There's the hotel, uh, going out to eat, I'm gonna go to breweries, tipping the musicians. And I do encourage folks, if there's a tip jar, what's five bucks? Not that big of a deal to an individual. But if 10 people give that musician five bucks, then that means something. That's that covers gas for the road, little things like that. Do encourage folks. <laughs> Mustachio's over there shaking his head, wondering when will the listener challenge end? <laughs> In addition to, <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> and also I'm famous for saying the only thing I ask. <laughs> All right, give thanks. Give thanks, be aware, enjoy, spend that hour a day taking care of the outside, the inside, and uh, culture as a whole. That's, ooh, that's pretty good. It's um, outside, inside, and then culture as a whole. That fits quite together. Perhaps it wasn't too much of a tangent. Listener challenge, in summary, Take care of the inside. Take care of oneself with vitamins, nutrients, clean food, fresh fruits and vegetables. Take care of the outside. Uh, the presentation of one's house coming and going each day. Clean up things. Get that ah freshness feeling upon entering and exiting. 
contribute to the culture in one's environment for one week, one hour a day, give extra attention to these components. Enjoy summer. Summer is so awesome. Loving it. I'm about to go for an adventure jog to uh, downtown, downtown Hilliard. Neat little city. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humbled perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.